Time to talk to the coach. His interview each and every week is brought to you by our friends at Divi, the modern financial platform for business. See how you can spend smarter at GetDivi.com. Out to the Smart Rain special guest line we go. Of course, he is the coach. Coach Gordon Chiesa with us here on The Big Show. What's going on, Coach? Jake, I'm doing well. Thank you. Excellent. I'm glad to hear it. Thanks for jumping on with us, as always. Uh, preseason rolls on for the Utah Jazz. It is game night here on, on the station. Coach, uh, give us your takeaway after last week and what you saw in the first two preseason games. Well, the first thing is that they're playing so many guys, meaning the Jazz. So there's, there's very little uh, as far as fluidity. But starting tonight with the last two games versus the Pelicans and Wednesday versus the Bucks, a lot, a lot of the players that will play a few more minutes to try to get consist, uh, some consistency and also as far as ball movement, help defense, talking, etc. So it should be good tonight's game. I'm impressed by the two young guys that the Jazz have invested with. Jared Butler, age 21. He's Jake. He's played well. Yep. Averaging 19 points a game, 45% uh, as far as field goal percentage, and three assists. I call him, a, Jake, old-school fundamentals with an airborne game that he played really under control the way he plays. But once he starts flying to the basket, he's very, very talented. And then also, Yudoka Azabuki, the big guy, he's averaging 11 rebounds a game. So that's absolutely impressive. That's his job, to rebound, to patrol the lane as far as defensively, and that short corner spacing be a law pass a threat option. So both those guys have played well for the Jazz. Now the real, now the, now the real team, as far as uh, trying to c- come together collectively, starts tonight. So I want to ask you a little bit more about Butler, if I could. Um, he's been great. I don't think there's any doubt about it. What If there is a role for him on this team as you see the roster, Coach, what role would that be? He would be like, he's a guard. He's not really a point guard. He's not really a, a two guard. He's a guard, and that's a compliment. So in other words, it's, he's, um, he can enter the ball offensively, so his role would be quasi-backup point guard or quasi two guard so when he's in the game he's almost positionless and that's that's good in a way unless you're really old school you know point guard pass happy he does pass the ball but he's such he's such a good scorer that you don't want him to try to only pass the ball you want him to make plays off the dribble and that's what he does very well so his role should be sometimes point guard sometimes off the ball Last year, one of the issues that we saw was when Michael Conley was out of the lineup or even Joe Ingles uh, at times last year or Donovan Mitchell, the Jazz were short on guys who could initiate the offense coach and could beat their guy off the dribble. So I kind of thought, you know, if if Jared Butler turns out to be a player, you know, heaven forbid if one of those ball handlers were to miss and maybe it's Michael Conley not playing back-to-backs or something like that, that might be an opportunity for him – uh, in a role the Jazz were lacking a little bit last year. No doubt. The answer is yes. He will play. He's a talented guy. Pick number 40 in the draft. He had that heart issue. He's, he got clearance from the NBA team doctors, and the Jazz took a number 40. He's a talented guy, and he's only 21 years young, so he is part of the future as they go forward. He will play this year. He'll get minutes on the court, and especially you mentioned about with Mike Conley not playing those back-to-back games, and there was early foul trouble or sickness or injury. He's, out, he's in the game. Also, let's not forget, Trent Forrest also. Yep. He's a 
two-way player as far as contractually, but he's got game. He's got bounce to his, uh, to his frame, and he can play in the NBA also. So the Jazz have these two, basically, Jake, underrated performers that can play in the league. And by the way, their contract so far is relatively tame. Uh, Coach Gordy Chiesa with us here on the Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Um, we only got to see a game of Hassan Whiteside. Coach, he didn't play on Wednesday, but uh, what were your initial impressions of him? What he does is that he's a, a shot blocker as far as presence. He, uh, he can patrol the lane defensively, and he's, he's a recipient scorer, meaning when his dribble penetration and the guy the guarding uh, Hassan the penetration steps up to the ball. He's a law pass option over the top so that he can, he'll score off someone else's plays, and that's what he does right now. It's a, again, from Jazz fans, it's a one-year contract. Uh, July 1st, it could be a do-over or it could be an addition, depending how he plays, how the rest of the roster as far as uh, happens, and also um, the development of uh, Yudoka Azabuki. That's all part of the, uh, the string right now. The Jazz have three centers. They need all three. They're all going to play sometimes during the season with Rudy Gobert leading the charge. Seems like uh, from from uh, statements from coaches and the the vibe coming out of uh, the franchise coaches, they're going to do everything they possibly can to uh, put themselves in the best position to be healthy at the end of the year. That was obviously an issue last year, and we talked about maybe Mike Conley sitting um, during uh, during back to backs. How much how much of that injury risk can you mitigate, and how much of it is just circumstance and the risk playing the game? A lot of it is your body frame. It's the first thing. So Mike Conley, by the way, Jake, let's wish a, a shout-out to Mike Conley. Today's his 34th birthday. Oh, all right. Mike Conley. And, yeah, Jake, I, I remember when you were 34 also, my dad, as far as the subplot, if you get my drift. <laughs> I do. So with that said, is that you want to rest the players, especially – a guy's body frame or just give him a, uh, you know, just like any business. Oh, by the way, boss, I need a day off. Now, I know they're getting paid a lot of money. I get it. But there's so much physical wear and tear on your lower parts of your body. So giving him a day off, meaning Mike Conley or even like Joe Ingles or even Rudy, Rudy Gobert, because your point is absolutely right on that you want to be playing at a high level with minus direct injuries when, you, when the playoffs start. So the Jazz will do that. The Jazz are smart people. They'll give these guys uh, calculated rest. Also, let's not forget, how about resting every once in a while, Boyan Bondanovich. See, no one ever talks about him. But also is that he's a guy that's, uh, he's, 30, he's 32 years old. So he might need some rest also because Jazz need him in playoff games, Jake, to get 20-something points a game and be a knockdown shooter. What was John and Carl's secret, Coach? Those two were Iron Men, man. They played every game. Injury, you know, was not an issue for both of them for the majority of their career. What was their secret? And at the secret was that they were unbelievable in condition. And again, the world has changed. So back then, you know, in yesteryear, meaning what, 1980s and 90s and 2000, it was a badge of courage, especially in jazz basketball. And let's add to this, is that John and Carl always practice. So it's very rare, and it was sometimes in practice where uh, Jerry and I and Phil John, he's had the big John Stockton, John, do not practice in these drills. We used to hold him out of drills because we used to say to him, you've mastered the drill, to say the least, and to get more, give someone else more reps, but we want to rest, again, your lower body. What those guys did was that they ate properly, they rest properly, and 
both of them were able, they played the game on the ground. Yeah, Carl went over the top with those hammer dunks, but as the years went on, he played the game more on the ground. And John Stockton, I've seen him dunk and pray. John used to dunk in practice once a year to show the young fellows that he has hops. But John never dunked in a game, meaning this, is that he played the game on the ground so there's less possibility of crashing and hurting your body not to play. Just generally speaking, now Donovan Mitchell might be someday, not right now, now he's too, too young of a fella, but as Donovan goes years later out, we'll say when he's 30-something years old, very similar to Michael Jordan and the late, great Kobe Bryant, they learn how to play the game some of the time on the ground versus all the time up in the clouds. So, Coach, this is not jazz-related, but uh, you spent a long time in the league seeing stuff behind the scenes as a personnel guy as well. And uh, the, the story today coming out of Philadelphia is that Ben Simmons and his agent Rich Paul are negotiating, so to speak, uh, his return to the team where he's just been sitting out and demanding a trade. The Sixers have him under contract long term, so it's not like they have to do anything. But I found that interesting that uh, that Ben Simmons is working on a return. I'm just curious to your thought about the whole story. Well, the first in the story is that his numbers that he's, he, he's missing per game starting October 4th. So it's happened already. $227,000 a game he's missing. And just think about it, Jake, in the real world, what that would do for so many people as far as getting that money. It would be a life-changing for many, many, many citizens in the world. So it's troubling that he's sitting out. Now, he's, they're trying to force a trade. Now, the question is that the Sixers held firm to their beliefs. They couldn't get them equal value or almost almost dollar to dollar on it is that they're going to try to bring him back and try to repatch the relationship. Now, again, he's an all-star player, and a lot of it's besides the front office and the fans. Oh, by the way, it's your teammates. How do they feel that they that he abandoned them because he's saying philosophically that I don't think that my team is good enough to, to win the championship, so I'm going to move on and prove to somebody that I can have my own team and win the championship. So far, it hasn't worked out. So this is all part of the NBA drama offseason. Remember, Jake, we, over the years, you talk about this often, is that offseason, the agents really drive so much of the dialogue. In season, meaning starting uh, next, next uh, Wednesday and the season starts, the agents are not as involved because their clients, meaning the players, are actually playing the game. So far, their agents involved to the ultimate. You know, Coach, I, I'm the type of person who can enjoy an awkward moment, but I, I, if, uh, if being in the room as Ben Simmons goes back into that locker room saying that he would rather play anywhere else in the league in the offseason, oh, man, that's going to be an awkward moment. Very much. I mean, so, again, I'm trying to be objective. So, Joel Embiid, that guy's good. Yeah. He's an that guy is absolutely a franchise type player, and also uh, Seth Curry, knockdown shooter, and uh, Danny Green, solid veteran. Tobias Harris, George Niang now is there as far as former Jazz man. Uh, the young guy we we like, Jake, you and I, Matisse Thybul, that he's a good defensive player. Shake Milton. So they have a good team. Unfortunately, they got knocked out in the playoffs, 
and that's how you're judged. It's absolutely accrual. When you're, a, you're an elite player that's making a whole bunch of money, and that's part of it. So here's Ben Simmons' contract for the listeners right now on 1280 The Zone. This year he makes $33 million. The 22-23 season he makes $35.4 million. The 23-24 season he makes $37.8 million. And the last year of his contract is the 24-25 season he makes $40.3 million. So that's what the Sixers have invested in him. Oh, by the way, I don't want to play here. It doesn't work that way. Is the uh, the favorite team in the East, is that going to hinge upon whether or not Kyrie Irving makes himself available by getting vaccinated? It would certainly help right now with Kyrie uh, being there because Jake's talking about uh, Kyrie Irving and the Brooklyn Nets. Now, so now Kyrie right now, Again, here's the, the math of it. And I, when I say this, I say this so sadly because we know there's so many people that are under du- uh, duress as far as financially. So if Kyrie, he misses, um, he's missed so far the October 4th the season start as far as the games. Each game he misses, he, he loses in pay $351,000. So if he misses the 41 home games, which in New York City, you have to be vaccinated to, uh, to be able to play in an NBA game, it's $16.6 million. Then, Jake, the two road games versus Knickerbockers in NYC, he'll miss 782000 So totally, he's going to miss roughly over $17 million if he doesn't get vaccinated. But also, that's, that's the math of it. The team, as far as the team standpoint, is that it does affect the team in the locker room. It's so intimate. Just think about it, like any business, well, the, uh, that the 12, the 12 to 15 players in the locker room and the coaches and the trainers. So just say for, for the discussion point, there's 20 people around each other all day long for basically seven, eight, nine months. And then one of them who's a key member is not there and then he comes back, or he's going to be here or not here, it does affect the mental part, even though the stock line is that we're moving on without him, or we love you, dog, please come back. But that's the outward line. But in the locker room where it's intimate, where you're trying to win that game that night, there's a, there'll be a lot of different dialogue. So Coach Lloyd and I were joking uh, last week and coming back to the Jazz here for a minute that, uh, you know, in the preseason, teams aren't necessarily trying to win. And every year, you know, uh, fans will say, oh, the team went uh, undefeated in the preseason or, oh, they didn't win a game in the preseason. And it doesn't seem it doesn't turn out to matter one bit into what we see in the in the regular season. So let me ask you this from a coaching standpoint, what are most coaches looking to accomplish in the preseason? They're looking to try to see the young guys if they can play in the second unit as far as um, defensively, of knowing the coverages and schematically. From the starter's point of view, they're looking at what's the best combination in case someone got injured or if they set out a guy in a back-to-back game. So basketball is this most unbelievable sport where the ball moves and the players move and you take one person out of that equation it affects the group either negative or positive or maybe double players out of the equation so in case of an injury 
Who can play with who? That's amazing. In jazz basketball, I just described Joe Ingles. Joe is, has a rare ability to play with all kinds of people. Oh, Joe can play with big guys. He can play with small guys. Oh, by the way, I can pass the ball. By the way, I make rainbow threes. And by the way, that when it comes down to uh, swagger, I got it. I had that Aussie swagger to make plays under duress. And that's what makes Joe such an important player in jazz basketball. So consistency, trying to develop your depth right now, and trying to forecast in case of a rainy day. Coach, I understand, as always, you have a list for us today. Yeah, we do, Jake. This list today is the Utah Jazz franchise leaders in career-made three-point shots. Korea-made threes, but only wearing a jazz uniform. So some of these guys play other teams. That's not, that's not the part of this list. The top ten, here we go. Tied for nine, Rodney Hood. And remember when Harbad screamed this name out all the time, Horny from three? <laughs> Jeff Hornacek and Rodney Hood, ninth and tenth, tied, made threes, 439. In eighth place, his nickname was D. Will with 5'11", Darren Williams. In seventh place, his nickname was Money. He's the best range shooter, big man, in Utah Jazz franchise history. Absolutely tremendous shooter and performer with 517 made triples, Mehmet Okor. Number six, with 530, nickname was Dr. Duncanstein in transition. He used to take a, a moon-arcing three-point shot, Dowell Griffith. Number five, nickname was B. Russ. He made 540 trifectors. Brian Russell. Number four, with 689 all-time threes, Gordon Haywood. Number three, he's going to play tonight. My instincts tell me that someday in jazz folklore, he'll be number one by far as far as most made threes. Donovan Mitchell, third all-time currently, with 726 made threes. Number two, we used to beg him to shoot more because when he shot, it always went in. His second all-time greatest jazz three-point shooter with 845 made threes. He's a career 38.4 three-point shooter when three-point shots weren't fashionable. You know him, John Stockton. And number one, the lefty southpaw from Australia with a, with a golden arm. He's the all-time leader in jazz history of most ever made three-point shots with 933. And by the way, he's shooting 41.4 from threes. And let's point this, Jake. Let's question Lloyd right now as far as, and you, what is the distance of the corner NBA three? All right, Lloyd, what do you think? Oh, jeez. Coach, you got me stumped. All right. I'm trying to remember. what. Uh, what Jake, it... I'm so glad you and Lloyd aren't scientists. Me rocket too. Rocket scientists. Because we, we'd be going to the wrong planet right now. That's... <laughs> I'm so happy you guys didn't major in engineering, engineering. Oh, man. It would be real trouble. All right. Corner three for the listeners is 22 feet. All right. Jake, how about the arc out three, the arc extended three-point line? Uh, let's say it's got to be longer, right? So 24? Jake, I'm so happy you're not an engineer, Jake. I'm so happy. It's 23.9 inches. 23.9, okay. That's a big difference. That is a big difference. 23.9. And Lloyd, I'm so happy that you're behind the mic right now versus you in NASA right now in Houston, Texas. Yeah, who uh, knows where we'd end up, Coach? We'd be ending right now probably in Pluto. Big trouble. Or the sun. Yeah, we'd be in big trouble. 
Uh, you know, the coach that list is interesting because that that list is going to be a lot like I think passing yards in the NFL. Yes, where the the game has just changed so much. The numbers of of made and attempted threes. Uh, I mean, it's it's just a different world than when it was what 10 15 years ago very much yet a three-point shot absolutely revolutionizes the game and it makes a team it's a common denominator with teams either making them or defending them yeah well coach it's always always a pleasure to have you on the show thank you very much enjoy the game tonight thanks jake peace out thanks coach that's our good friend coach gordon chiesa uh, joins us each and every Monday here on The Big Show on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.